Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, Alarmy. Check out Alarmist on Patreon for ad-free episodes and bonus content. Here's a preview of our Guest Alarmist series, only on Patreon. Like, what is that instinct that made you run to the bathroom? Shame. Oh, 100%. I, was, I felt so ashamed. <laughs> this is like, it was, she was like an older woman, too. Right. And she had this, like, You were disgracing her. I, she was disgraced. Like, make no mistake. Like, if she came in with grace, she was disgraced. Yes. Go to patreon.com slash the alarmist and subscribe today. Now, on to our episode. I was born with a special gift. The ability to mentally transform any situation into the worst case scenario in my own brain. My therapist calls my gift catastrophizing. And that's why I'm uniquely qualified to scrutinize and analyze history's greatest disasters and find out who's to blame. They say history repeats itself. Not on my watch. My name is Rebecca Delgado-Smith. And I am The Alarmist. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to The Alarmist, a comedy podcast where we talk about history's greatest tragedies and figure out who's to blame. Today we're discussing the movie, My Best Friend's Wedding. Here's what you need to know. Julianne Potter, who also goes by Jules, is a well-respected New York City food critic who made a blood pact with her best friend, Michael O'Neill, a Chicago-based sports writer. They both agreed that if they were still single by the time they turned 28, they would get married. He says, swear, when we're 28, if we've never married, 
we marry each other. And we've been best friends ever since. When Michael leaves her an urgent message a few weeks before her 28th birthday, Jules realizes it might be a proposal. However, she's disappointed to discover he's actually calling to tell her he's engaged. Jules realizes she's always loved Michael, and so she tells her friend, George Downs, that she's going to stop Michael's wedding. She arrives in Chicago and is greeted at the airport by Michael and his fiancée, Kimmy, a lively college student. Jules is thrown because Kimmy is not only beautiful and genuine, but she's also wealthy. Her father owns the Chicago White Sox. Instead of telling Michael that she's in love with him, Jules devises a series of schemes to convince Michael he's making a mistake. She forces Kimmy to sing karaoke. She plants an idea for Kimmy to ask Michael to leave his job, and she even pretends to be engaged to George, who's gay. All the while, openly flirting with Michael. Nothing works, and one of her schemes backfires spectacularly. She writes an email to Michael's boss, pretending to be Michael's father-in-law, claiming he wants Michael to take a job working for the White Sox. When Michael finds out about the email, he's devastated that his future wife and father-in-law would conspire to make him quit the job that he loves. Jules allows this to unfold, never revealing her part in it. She feels kind of bad, but then a bellhop played by Paul Giamatti tells her that this too shall pass, and that makes her feel better. At the wedding day brunch, Michael tries to break it off with Kimmy, but Kimmy begs Jules to fix things with Michael. Jules has an opportunity to put the nail in the coffin, but racked with guilt, she tells Michael that Kimmy is crazy about him. The single moment of Jules being a good person is fleeting, however, and in the very next scene, she takes Michael to a gazebo and in a teary-eyed confession, finally tells him that she loves him. I love you. I've loved you for nine years. I've just been too arrogant and scared to realize... She kisses him, but Kimmy is nearby and sees everything. Kimmy runs off and Michael goes after her. Jules, in turn, runs after Michael. Jules steals a bread truck and they all race through downtown Chicago. Jules catches up to Michael at a train station and apologizes. She also confesses to being the one who wrote the email to his boss. She feels terribly and says she's pond scum. Michael says she's lower than pond scum, but he appreciates her honesty. Jules filled with renewed purpose, sets out to find Kimmy, who's still missing in action. She tracks her down in the Chicago White Sox stadium bathroom and convinces her to go through with the wedding. Now, I love this man, and there is no way that I'm going to give him up to some two-faced, big-haired food critic. He doesn't love me. He loves you. Kimmy and Michael get married, and although Jules feels like she's lost the love of her life, she gives an incredible speech, relieved that it all worked out. I dreamt that some psychopath was trying to break the two of you up. Then, Jules gets a call on her giant cell phone. It's George. He surprises her by showing up at the wedding. They dance, and Jules feels relieved and hopeful about what lies ahead. facts aka death stats my best friend's wedding was shot on location in chicago 
The film marked Roberts' return to the rom-com genre that made her famous with 1990's Pretty Woman. While it eventually went on to become a hit, the film initially faced harsh reviews and testing screens. Viewers were disappointed in the movie's original ending, which saw Julianne finding love with a wedding guest after being turned down by Michael. My Best Friend's Wedding ranks among the top 10 highest grosses movies of 1997. The film has a worldwide box office gross of nearly $300 million. With us today, we have producer Clayton Early. Hello. Fact-checking for us is our associate producer, Crystal Dinsberg. Hello. And our very special guest today is host of That's a Gay-Ass Podcast, Eric Williams. Hi, Eric. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, we're so excited to have you on the show. It is a gosh darn on. I'm so thrilled to be on the alarm and will not stop up breathing. Ring it. (laughs) Well, uh, maybe you could tell our listeners uh, uh, an abbreviated version of your show which i love it's so funny i highly recommend to all oh my god you're so it's honestly it's so such a thrill to be on this podcast because you find out you know who's to blame and my podcast kind of asks the same fucking question mm. we ask whose <laughs> fault is it that you're gay like, who do we blame babe and if you're straight why are you so obsessed with us so that's kind of <laughs> that's the vibe and um you yeah, know it's it's it, we're actually just bringing back well i guess this episode will have just air right after we premiere the new season and dan savage is our first guest and just very exciting to have queer and straight allies come on and talk gay shit and have queer and straight audiences listen and enjoy yes welcome to the straight ass podcast That's a straight ass podcast. <laughs> Wait a minute, Clayton, you're on this podcast. Yeah, oh, well, I'm the, it's yeah. not that straight. I'm the uh, you're pretty homosexual. It's true. Oh, thank you. I really take that as a compliment. It, it was one. <laughs> so I, we have to start off the show by asking our guests, what is something that's recently alarming you? What's something that's keeping you up at night? I'm going to be honest with you. It's kind of a devastating tale. What's keeping mm. me up at night is the goddamn cost of therapy. And mm. the story that goes along with this is I've had my therapist for two years. She is so good to me. Mm. And I'm very grateful f- to have insurance. Let me be clear. I'm grateful. Right. Yeah. My husband works for a big old company. I get insurance through him. Truly, thank God. However, mm-hmm. his company decided to change their insurance yep. out of the blue. And of course, my therapist, his therapist, and our couple's therapist all are not under the new uh, insurance. That's so, so frustrating. Like, now I'm like, what, paying out of pocket just to like maintain a shred of dignity walking this earth and hoping to not <laughs> want to mm-hmm. jump off a bridge? It just feels like... so. And then negotiating with your therapist of two years how Awful. much you are going to pay. It Awkward. me off. So I'm now, I'm only doing... <laughs> And a session every other week, and so I'm just like oh. raw dogging two weeks of life. It's and I'm a and I'm a girl that needs therapy, so that's that's keeping me up. That's so I real. totally understand. And you're committed to this. You're like you're not going to stray. You will stay. I will not stray. I will stay. I think she's like done. I love her so much. Okay. And there wow. is a world that I could start with someone else, but like the, I don't know. You 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 know when you know you know and yeah. Uh, my gut is like stick with Claudia yeah good therapists are hard to find 
And that, that's that is the other true. Thing is, yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. like when you when you catch a falling star and put it in your pocket, never let it go. Mm-hmm. Same thing mm-hmm. with a good therapist, never let her go. And <laughs> I was burned. I had a therapist for seven years who retired, and when she retired, mm. I like cried on my walk to Union Square. Like that's like Ooh. so. I, I think I feel like <laughs> the baggage of getting a new therapist after having one you love. So if I, I'm gonna keep her. Do you? Do you all? What would you do? Yeah. Uh, well, I had a therapist break up with me, mm. kind of like <laughs> setting me free a little bit. Oh, <laughs> oh like you graduated. Like you healed. Yeah. Yes. Yes. She's like, I think it's time. I think it's done. time for you to go. And I was like, no. <laughs> How did that feel, though? That, 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 that's kind of like the most amazing feedback from a therapist. Um, right. It was nice feedback. And, and then I felt betrayed. Like, <laughs> like manipulated maybe yeah. like, did I really heal or are you just dumb <laughs> yeah yeah like I need another therapist to talk about my, my abandonment issue mm. oh god <laughs> well then she kind of gave you a gift then of staying in therapy yeah I mean keep us posted on you know your your uh Emotional your relationship health. with Claudia <laughs> I will I will <laughs> your relationship status and you Ooh. know who who had a complicated relationship status our girl Julianne. Talk girl about Julianne. needing some therapy. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> it was 1997. <laughs> we didn't have that yet. It didn't exist. <laughs> oh my God. This is a mess. It's crazy. Wow. I love how you did that intro. I have to say, I do. That was great. It's not often that I transition at all uh, in with any grace. Well, but, this, um, this was a good one. And she is. I have to say, I was telling people before we started recording that I have never seen this movie and I just watched it. And I have a lot of really strong feelings about it. Like I really mm. kind of loathed it. And <laughs> I can't believe how deeply unlikable the main wow. character is. <laughs> wow. There are so I'm, many I'm in red shock. flags about this movie. Now, what about you, Eric? Did you like this movie? Well, it's funny Clayton says that because I had first watched this movie somewhat recently. It was a few years ago and actually was one of the things that inspired my podcast because I made a video series called That's a Gay-Ass Movie. And I Mm. would like uh, dissect movies that were very gay. And this is one of them. And I watched it for the first time. It was first year of the pandemic. And I was like, okay, like I I get it. Her hair is gorgeous. Uh, Dermot Mulroney, come on. Him telling her that... She looks great without her clothes on. He's so sexy. Mm-hmm. We've got the gay friend. Like, I get it. I get why 97, it had the ingredients of a big blockbuster. But mm-hmm. you are right. Now, knowing what we know about, like, boundaries, emotional health, how to treat someone, Toxicity. she comes across <laughs> as such an emotional terrorist. And yes. it, I, I rewatched it this morn, and it really is an infuriating watch. But... <laughs> There are so many elements of perfection. Like every supporting character can sing three-part harmony. What's going on? It's a pretty, (laughs) it is a gay straight, but there's so much, like even the opening number in that like big soundstage with the pink walls and they're singing that number. It's kind of like old school Hollywood. It's like, what is this Mm -hmm. straight people nonsense that's going on? (laughs) Don't you also think it, uh, watching it again with all, like I thought it could be a musical, which unfortunately is- Mm -hmm the gayest thing I could say but like it really there's so many elements of the music and then how like larger than life the plot twists are and the drama but again yeah she is not you're right she's not likable it's like it you 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 find yourself rooting for 
a junior in college, Cameron Diaz. Yeah, you're, and then you, you're rooting for her to not only lose, but then like you're rooting for the character that we don't actually want to root for, like the billionaire's daughter. Right. <laughs> I well, know. that's I, I mean, that that I, I do think Cameron Diaz's performance in this movie is one of the most underrated performances in Hollywood history. Mm. I mean, it, what a difficult task to really embody and, and and make this very dislikable character on paper and bring her to life and really at the end get you rooting for her i mean she's charming she does the karaoke scene don't get me started um i think that's that's like the whole point of the movie is that like it's when you look at the script on its like at face value i think it's like not a great script but it's a vehicle like in the mid 90s or late 90s for someone so lovable as julia roberts who can take a pretty toxic character and make it work because we just loved her and you like still kind of wanted her to win even though she was doing some crazy stuff i mean i would beg to differ and i would say it's actually a really great script (laughs) in that it is really changing the way and it really was a a a big deal when it came out um it changed the way we thought about rom-coms and the idea that we absolutely need a happy ending and i'm gonna i think Mm. by the end of this podcast you're gonna see why you should like this movie okay yeah oh, okay can't wait yeah convince us Cl- mama Clayton, clayton's already against it clayton's already never gonna happen <laughs> shutting <Funny>. down <laughs> um we'll but but let's start by putting things up on the list Great. um and i i, I want to put jewels up on the list on the list mm-hmm. i mean Yes. She's not going to get away with this one. No. She is someone who absolutely needed uh, serious um, therapy. Um, I'll read something from the Santa Barbara International Film Festival. Julianne is invited to the long wedding weekend, and since she is considered a threat to the bride, she's asked to be the maid of honor. Keep your enemies close, I guess. I'm a busy girl. I've got exactly four days to break up a wedding, steal the bride's fella, and I have one clue one clue how to do it, she exclaimed to her vi- to our vicarious delight. I don't know about our vicarious delight, mm-hmm. but Kimmy is not what we expect. She's endearing, sensitive, and attractive, and a perfect match for Michael. Following her worst judgment, Julianne will scheme to sabotage Michael, a sports writer, and Kimmy's chance to, at happiness. So what we have is a love rectangle, and the mm-hmm. character who sets the plot in motion is unhinged. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, I'm, I'm not going to make the argument that Julianne Jules is a... a, a a good person or a, even a, a great character. But I do think that the movie as, uh, as the story is told is, is actually important in the, in the world of rom-coms. Okay. What do you think is the role of Jules then? Like, what are we supposed to learn from this type of character who I love that she's a successful boss ass bitch. She's 27, right? I know, so young. But like, what do you think is it doing in the canon of rom-coms for that type of character? Why do you you stand behind Jules's toxicity? I don't know if I stand behind her. I don't, I don't agree with what she does. Okay. But I think 
um, as as a viewer, I think we're conditioned to think that we have to agree with what our main character mm. is doing. Mm, that's a good point. Bravo. Very good point. Bravo. Um, and 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 not and of course I understand that you have to and she is likable in in some ways for all the reasons you said she's a strong woman. It's the '90s. I want to hear about the strong woman, and and I want to hear about a flawed, a flawed lead character sure. who is still strong. She's female, and she is broken is not the right word, but she is. Jaded, uh, misguided, <laughs> misguided, absolutely. And she, thank God for George, George, her, her, her BFF. Who, I mean, he's like the. There's a lot of like ill intended, ill intentions in this movie, mm-hmm. and he's like the one. And for like '97, that's like kind of, I guess, groundbreaking to have like a very likable yes. gay character who's like the good person. They're not just like the. The, yeah. You know, what do you call it? The flair or whatever of the film. Like he's like significant and like a good friend. I'm glad you brought that up because I think let's put George up on the list. Okay. On on our board. And because he is the person at the dinner in the beginning of the movie when she's she's having dinner with George, she gets the phone call. She gets the message. Right. Right. And he puts the idea in her head that Michael is going to propose. He's the one who's like, this is, it's happening for you. Mm. He then later redeems himself like instantly when he says, okay, you just need to tell him that you love him. This is not right. Um, so we can actually now go ahead and take him off the board. <laughs> <laughs> maybe and, he could be like a, he could be like a big clap contender. So maybe we yeah, just leave him yeah, up. <laughs> we'll keep him up there. But I want to read a few things, a few excerpts that um, uh, speak to your point, Clayton. This is from E! News. One of the reasons I wrote this movie is I wanted Julia's character to lose the guy and to lose the guy for the right reasons, explains Bass. I wanted for the audience to be in a position where they didn't know what the filmmaker was going to do because they didn't know what they wanted themselves. Mm-hmm. There's also the matter of George, whose very, who's very presence in a major motion picture in 1997 is a cause for celebration. On top of Julianne losing the guy, I wanted to write something where the smartest, best, wisest, most terrific person in the movie was gay. There wasn't anything like that in those days. This was the first time that that ever really happened. This is from Awards Watch. He plays along with it when Jules hatches a crazy scheme to tell Michael that she and George are engaged, which leads to him leading a fantastic sing-along of I say a little pray for you, uh, I say a little prayer for you at the rehearsal lunch. Everett's performance is the strongest of the four, providing a solid pillar for the rest of the cast, just as George does for Jules. It's remarkable to see a gay character in the ni- in a 1990s film who is more secure in himself and his sexuality than the straight leads. Mm. I also think the movie, while we're not supposed to know who to root for, I do think ultimately this, the overarching like read that we should take is it's a story about friendship, about about also accepting your insane friends. Because I think yes. we all can name the one person in our mm-hmm. lives that are the chaotic friend. And I think <laughs> Jules is the chaotic friend. And like you're saying, to have the gay guy be the actual like anchor, the wise one, though like that is incredible. And if if I had in 97 I was, you know, a young person. And if I had seen this movie and have them 
unapologetically say that he was gay and he's having a gorgeous dinner party at his home which by the way i kind of am surprised by the demographic of that dinner party it's like do you i don't know if you remember it's like two like kind of older straight couples yeah and and like there's a man on the other (laughs) side of the table is that his partner yeah, that, we don't know like, we don't go that far I, like, no. I, that's it's the only only gay misstep i will give this movie is that his dinner party is with like woody allen like i'm not exactly <laughs> sure like what, what what that dinner party came from <laughs> what the conversation is the one thing i have to say about george and the ending which i think is a little bit irresponsible from a filmmaking perspective irresponsible is, i can't wait to hear is the fact that this kind of toxic, unhinged character who spends the whole movie emotionally terrorizing her friend. I think Eric, you said she's an emotional terrorist, which is a great yes. way of putting it. Um, in the end, does get her happy ending because her friend, who maybe is almost mm-hmm. enabling her, flies back in to dance with her at the wedding, sets a kind of dangerous precedent for straight women in their relationship to their gay male friends, where they think, if everything falls apart, don't worry. My gay boy is going to go above and beyond mm. to to like rescue me from it. From it, and that mm. to me is like I I can see that perspective, uh, especially now in twenty twenty four. I mean, I'm not. It's a small thing, but to me, I'm watching like, oh god, do I have to do that now? <laughs> no, you, the answer is no. <laughs> well, it also like it just be a phone call, like how you do it. <laughs> it begs the question too, like what is going on in George's life that he, yeah, a can make that last minute trip again, and b wants to, like right. that. Mm. I think that might be behind a little bit of like assuming that he has nothing else going for him except his straight girly jewels right. who can't help but steal a bread truck and go on a goose chase down Michigan Ave. Like, like that's, he's on call for her. I think I can see that, but like, but like, that's the rom-com world. Yeah. That's the rom-com world. Yeah. You know, it's it like, I loved and, it. I and, thought and, it was uh, the perfect ending. I really did. And I, you know, it's funny cause I know we're at the board and we put jewels up. And with George, we're going to give him the clap, hopefully. What that sounded really bad, you guys. But anyway, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I really, really, really think that Jules is a very real character, as Eric pointed out. Like, that's somebody who completely lost it. But this was also, these were emotions that were like deep seated that all of a sudden came out. And we watched somebody who's unprepared to deal with the emotions, deal with the emotions. So that's why I like it. I like seeing somebody who has an unexpected moment. Now, everything she did was horrible, like the decision she makes along the way. But watching this character and then watching George see her go through all these emotions. And then when he gets her on the phone and says, who's chasing you? That part is so Mm -hmm. powerful for Mm -hmm. me because I love how he knows that she's losing it. She's spiraling. And I just think that, I don't know. I love it. I love her. Yeah. I mean, I I think it's it's important to, you know, in every rom-com, there's always the best friend who's along for the ride uh, just because we need them for the, for storytelling purposes. (laughs) And and you're always questioning yourself being like, why are they so available? (laughs) Um, So that's just the role that he's been cast in. But I, 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 in the efforts of like putting things up on the board. Yeah. We got to get some stuff on here. I, I want to put the fairy tale of the happy ending or, yeah. you know, up on the board. This is from Woman's World. Despite a conclusion that deviates from the norm, the film's director, PJ Hogan, laid it out 
in an interview with The Ringer. Ron, screen, screenwriter Ronald Bass, had always said, I really want the ending to say that sometimes the person you love the most isn't a lover. You still have to find happiness where you can, and that's why the movie has lived on. It leaves, pe- it leaves you with hope. This is from uh, Us Weekly. The focus group didn't want Julianne to have a happy ending, Hogan explained. They didn't. They still hadn't forgiven her. They just weren't ready for her to end up in the arms of another guy. I thought the answer was uh, George because the film really worked when Rupert was on camera. Rupert and Julia's chemistry is so great. Hogan tweaked the final act in the film to have Julianne walk off into the sunset with her platonic soulmate, George, George instead. So just for um so so people understand um i i believe that the first ending to the movie had her falling in love with a another guest at the wedding mm. and then they they a focus group was like we hate this mm. and then they changed it um i just want to read another excerpt this is from the ringer if you've been through a breakup or are not in a relationship my best friend's wedding is a really great romantic comedy for you because it's realistic even if you didn't live the rom-com dream that doesn't mean your life is over and it doesn't mean you'll never be happy again there may not be love there may not be sex but there will be dancing which is such a great iconic last line in a movie (laughs) it's also i think the movie is very smart to be realistic about love between friends i think Mm -hmm. historically speaking if you're in love with your best friend or a close friend uh, how many times statistically has it actually been reciprocal on both sides Mm. i don't know i i I would i'm scared to know that that statistic well it's i think it's it's in a way not to make it now like a fucking queer studies class but i do (laughs) think in a way that if you think about the relationship between what is it michael dermot moroni's character Mm -hmm. um michael and jules in a way it's almost like it reminds me when i was in high school deeply closeted and i absolutely was in love with one of my closest guy friends and Mm -hmm. it was very like i felt it deeply i would listen to music in the car on the drive home and imprint every lyric to be about him i would i mean just feel these deep feelings of longing and knowing it would never come to fruition and then ultimately when i came out I kind of realized that not only was it not going to happen, but he was kind of a dick. And it was like a huge put taking the blinders off. Cause when I came out, he said to me, instead of just being like, I'm here for you, he said, So, uh, did you ever, were you ever attracted to me? And I was like, Jesus. (laughs) I told him no, which was a huge lie because I only only thought about his happy trail for years. (laughs) Yeah. But, um, but no, I think like my best friend's wedding, it's it it is true that disaster can follow when you do come to terms with your real love for a deep friend because mm-hmm. that can really fuck up the relationship. And I, I don't know what if this movie were to continue, what would go on between Jules and Michael. But like, how could Michael <laughs> as like a functioning adult be okay with what Jules did? <laughs> yeah. There's, I feel like I really want him to go on the board, like for sure. Let's put like, him up. Who, Michael? Yeah, yeah Michael sure. yes. needs to go up Horrible. on the board. Um, just Horrible. responding to that, Eric, and your your crush's response. Another thing mm-hmm. I think would be fun to put on the board is, uh, which I think is apparent in this movie, is like 
main character syndrome where everyone kind of Ooh. thinks that they're Ooh. the center of the universe and for Jules to get this news that this guy that she's been stringing along for nine years is suddenly like, yeah, moved on. Suddenly she has to make it all about herself. And I feel like a lot of them are do like, they all are kind of operating from this, like, I'm the center of the universe. So I'm losing something or I'm gaining something. I need to win something. It's like very, I don't know, like that it's human. It's very human, but it's like very, that's like a lot of the toxic for me. Obsessed and with that wedding, response. A wedding also yes. elevates those behaviors. I mean, have you been to a wedding where there was a person in one of the bridal parties or grooms people who had to make sure to let everyone know how hard they were working yes. to make sure that the person getting married is happy or making sure that they are proving how instrumental they are yeah. in a way the that's closest like, friend the most important oh, yeah. person there like that's absolutely. jules at the baseball game when she's serving the beer yeah. and she's giving a show i mean that is like main character syndrome to a t but like yes. it, she's she's being asked to do it i mean she walks in all these guys are ogling her fucking whatever outfit she's wearing at the baseball game and she's like all right well i'm gonna now schmooze with a younger brother and press my tits against him and it's so awkward i mean she really turns it on in that scene you're like mm -hmm. honey take it down a notch <laughs> calm down she really does <laughs> the flirtation is find out a statistic oh oh i found Go. out a statistic real Go. quick yeah so it's 68 percent uh people started off as friends in romantic relationships so 68 percent. that's by psychology today and 2021 which is huge but it doesn't say best friend so i think what eric is talking about is something different i think that's just mm. people who are friends first not your best friend your best friend has a whole different level of significance no, I, I think that's actually a great response because in a way you need to be careful with the journey of your friendship going into to lovers and i think that if with a best friendship like this i think if it if i may be scientific if it reaches over a certain amount of years of friendship without romantic mm. uh, feelings expressed i think that the risk level rises and rises and rises really? so my projection on that statistic is probably like if you're a friend for a year you can have a little Got flirty you. banters and it's not that big of a deal but then if you're friends for nine years and then uh -huh. I don't know, but yeah, there's a I lot of issues like there that you yeah. haven't said how you feel at all. Like there's some things that all of a sudden they come out at the wrong time. It's going to be the wrong time. It's been nine years. Like how? Well, and that's the difference here is the, they make it very clear. They kind of open this movie with the story of them and that crazy one month that they spent wherever it was, you know, in Tucson or whatever, where they had yeah. that like really hot and heavy past so it's like clear that they had that but chose not to do it but she's obviously in love from the first second you see her even like hear his name you like yeah. know what this journey is i mean it would have it would have been different if he obviously was single like if if right it, i would have been absolutely rooting for them to have their they're on the architecture tour of chicago they pass under the bridge. <laughs> mm -hmm. I would love to see them suck face. However, <laughs> knowing that he has gone through an emotional journey of like becoming independent of this yeah. best friendship, that's where you're like, oh, well, now Jules is just actively trying to put him back <laughs> into yes. his 20, his 21 year old self of college days with Jules. When it's like, honey, and, he's moved on. And and it, mm. it, it just shows how 
the that kind of like jealousy and that competitiveness mm. really it, it really sparks we should that, just put that on the thing board, of like jealousy. yeah her yeah. jealousy because it, it's that thing of like I don't like you that much until someone else likes you and I have the fear of losing you yes. and I'm suddenly afraid of losing you and you I mean I think now in 2024 we all know that we are able to separate I hope I hope our listeners are able to separate, <laughs> you know, that feeling. It's it's not that you really, really want them. It's that you 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 want to, like, be seen mm-hmm. by them in a certain light, right? It has nothing mm. to do with you actually wanting them. It's like that fear of, like, losing how someone perceives you is is scary. Yeah. Um, and and, and I, I feel like that's what she's going through at the moment, which I don't know how we encapsulate that, but it's like something like fear of of, of loss, like a fear of loss. Ooh, fear of change, sure. maybe. Something like, sure. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's so much with that. But I was going to suggest one more thing to put up on the board, which is um, I love Cameron Diaz like as a whole but in this character, I could not with Kimmy. I just couldn't like asking her to be part of the wedding. I would have fought back a little <laughs> that bit. That was like, really, I don't really know bizarre. Her. Yes, I don't know her. You know what I mean? I, I thought that that was a little cray to Although, ask a stranger like met, you're gonna. Haven't we all met that person who you meet for like you know? It's like you're you met them over a weekend, and by the end of the weekend, they're just like you are my best friend. Not right. to say that that's a huge red flag, and you know all right. of your alarms should be going off. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like careful, careful, careful. <laughs> but we've all met that person who just like dives right in. Mm-hmm. They they Ooh. they don't hold back, and um, and that I I feel like her like Cameron Cameron Diaz's character is Kimmy is is she's also like been put in a very unfortunate position because of this Ooh. these this messy relationship that her fiance has with an ex let's call it what it is it's an ex who's right. like stayed friends he, who he's stayed friends with i don't mm-hmm. think they're best friends i think if anything it's Jules and uh, uh, George's. It's that's my best. It's like who's the best friend? Jules and George go to her quote unquote best friend's wedding. Yeah, you don't you know? find out that your best friend is getting married four days before the wedding that they've been dating a twenty year old and who's in college. Like that's not like you are so yeah, and out also, of touch. Why didn't why didn't Jules talk about Michael Moore to her gay best friend? Until (laughs) and like, why are we hearing about this now? When that—that's another. I think for the board is like, what do you want to call? Jules, um, we'll call it. What about communication? Oh yeah. What about (laughs) throwing out the word best friend? Throwing out the word like, (laughs) a lot of best friends going on. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Yeah. Like just the label of best friend. Adults, people over a certain age saying this is my best friend. And by the way, I'm guilty of saying like to let someone know how much I love them. Like, oh my God, one of my best friends. Because that does carry weight for certain people. But there is a slippery slope to the overuse of the term best friend. Mm -hmm. Especially when you're over the age of what? 
21. 12. <laughs> I was, I, I was going to give people a little more grace and say 30. Uh, <laughs> okay, okay, okay. <laughs> and I guess if that were the case and, and they're 28, like they would, uh, in my world, get a pass. <laughs> Sure. 28 year olds get the pass get the, i i think your 20s you're such a you're still figuring it out you're you're still a child who's transitioning to be an adult and and you're you have like these like little tentacles of yes of, of childhood like that are still like stuck to you that's very <laughs> nice the fact that the movie opens and she's this 27 year old big successful food critic i'm like what yeah. world is this <laughs> happening in like this is so <laughs> like they're just like so wealthy there's no concern about like she says some line oh, about like yeah. you're getting married in four days like do you have the weekend off and then she just spends the next four days herself <laughs> trying to sabotage the wedding like nobody has any responsibilities they're just like successful and causing their like ruckus yeah, yeah i want to know I mean, at what age did jules get on track to be like one of the head food critics and they're <laughs> like there's people there's 12 people in a kitchen staring out the window to see julia roberts at 27 right enjoy the tartare <laughs> my god okay there's a lot based on what we just talked about i feel like there's a lot to put up on the board i feel like yes this was a listener recommendation. Someone said that we should put uh, being a food critic up on the board. Okay. Uh, this is a uh, mountain made gin, ginda bine. I'm sorry. I butchered that. Um, being a food critic uh, goes up on the board. Every time she goes to work, she has people fawning over her and mm. waiting for her every word with bated breath. And then suddenly when she decides she's in love with her best friend and she doesn't get the same response, it's unacceptable. And she has to ruin everyone else's life about it. <laughs> so I a mean, lot of food, uh, critic. food critic hate out there. I do think like there is something to that. I mean, we, maybe they should get folded into, but I had the same thought Like, there's just a lot of like selfishness and, and ego involved with some of these characters. Well, you can mm -hmm. decide to cancel me if you want, but as someone who has worked in a restaurant and it has been around a lot of restaurants, I find that I'm not close friends with any fancy famous chefs, but if I were, I would, pr I have worked with enough and my husband has worked with enough to know that a chef and the kitchen environment at a fancy restaurant is hell. It's it, full on war. And yes, they're, I monsters. Don't, I, they're not, they're not known to be like if Jules is six is if jules is thriving in this type of industry she's not here to make friends she's giving oh. right. i think wow. I mean, I, can you imagine a head food critic at 27 like like that's a monster yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. that's a good point wow. I'm, I'm reminded wow. of the contestants on the bachelorette or the bachelor who are like i'm not here to make friends of course. <laughs> you <know>? yeah <laughs> no, wait here's here's I mean, my next question okay yes. if jules were cast on a reality show of 2024 what reality show would jules oh go god. on oh my god what a great bachelor. question do you think, you think she's a bachelor? bachelor? Yeah. And she would traders. be the villain. Traders would be good. She would be good in traders. <laughs> and she would be she an would drop traitor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, She'd be chaos. She'd be in chaos to the house for sure. Yeah. What's the one where they swap pairs? Oh, the ultimatum. 
She oh might my like God, yeah. yeah. She might have yeah. the stomach for the ultimatum. Yeah. 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 <laughs> could she do could she do love is blind? <laughs> no. I don't think she would yeah, I don't think she would sign She's up. She's too that. egotistical for that. She's what yeah. she would be out, see the guy be like, you know what? I'm gonna, go, I'm gonna call my gay ass friend. <laughs> she would be one me. of the ones who like you see in the house, but then you never see her dates because like they don't go anywhere. <laughs> she didn't make the cut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But um we got to put up we're running out of time so i'm gonna bear like just try and get a few of these up on the board marriage packs right i mean they're 28 years old honey you're, you're just like oh you're not gonna be married by 28 and you have to you're gonna agree to marry th- this this guy that you yes i think along with that you could maybe work. ageism like why are they so rushed to get oh, yeah. married before 28 like you're still pretty young i mean societal pressures to get married young okay has to go up on definitely the board. definitely um, this is from ABC News. Social norms have shifted a bit since 1997. So it's possible, if not probable, that if the film were to be recreated today, Jules and Michael would be a little older. Mm, a <laughs> little? According to, <laughs> according to a 2013 Pew Research Center analysis, the median age for marriage is steadily climbing at 26.5 for brides and 28.7 for grooms. The study has also indicated that in 2013... so I. This is this is an old study. What is the median age for um, people getting married on it. right in twenty twenty four? Because this is already um, in twenty thirteen. Yeah, they're basically back- backing up the claim and being like, "It's younger." So yeah, we need something modern. Yeah, yeah. Um. So, regardless, the 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 you know median age for for marriage people getting married has gone up. Um. Anyone getting? I mean. I I got married young. And still, you did, <laughs> yeah. I was there. But how the, old were you? I, I was twenty. I just turned twenty six. Mm, that is young. Very young. What was I doing? That was a that was still happily married though. It's really worked. The out. wildest you guys are a thing. Great yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I definitely was the, the first. Oh yeah, go ahead. You ready? Okay. The median age for men is thirty point two years, while okay. women is twenty eight point four. So they're Okay. Right. as much for women. Yeah. yeah. I'm on the so if that's that normal, yeah, but like if that's what's the the median age now, so her 28 year pack packed would be I don't know what nowadays like 40 if I'm not if I'm not married by 40. 35. Yeah. Mm. 35, 40. Sure, I sure. think so. Yeah. Yeah. Which. So- doesn't sound that bad now to me. <laughs> that I sounds right. Something on the board, Rebecca. That's cool. Yeah. I was thinking, Go. what about just like waiting too long to say something or too little too late? Like, I, I don't know which one is better, but like, I like too little, you know, too when late. they're under the bridge and then that, that sun thing hits them and they had a moment where they both could say something that really kind of bothered me because of Michael mm. again. I think he's crazy but the way he was looking at her it's like he wanted her to tell him and so i don't know if there's something with them both being silent about their feelings that i wanted to put on the board i'm not sure how to word that but that's i like too little too late um there has to be a certain point forcing a square into a a circle it's like they if Mm. if they had the opportunities over this many years Right, and they're still face to face on a romantic cruise, and it's still not happening. And flirting heavily, like it's not like I, friend it, chat. There's like real 
like he flirts with her like from the second she gets in the car yeah it's awkward i mean it's awkward knowing that she's there for his wedding maybe they just also having a flashback remember where they're both laughing about some trip they went on it might have been at the karaoke scene and they're laughing florence yeah they're laughing about florence and Kimmy's trying to like, I love Florence. And yep. like, like there's something about two people excluding a third person <laughs> and knowing that they're doing it. So, and then yes. performing how much fun they had <laughs> while knowing the other person wasn't there. That's <laughs> fucked. I think it's probably what for is- the best that they didn't end up because they'd probably be like a terrible couple, just like really oh, nasty nightmare. two people together. <laughs> the worst friends. A food have. critic and a sports writer. Oh, God. <laughs> Can you imagine like serving them at a restaurant? They would never get invited to any of they wouldn't be going to Michael's dinner parties. Let's just put it that uh, way. No, not yeah, invited. But- how what can we I, I really like that eric what what can we call that it's like ex, their exclusivity like yeah. they're just so exclusive it's a little bit it's a little bit high school mean girls mm. <laughs> i think they're a little bit of like they're a little bit of enjoying mean girls mentality yeah yeah they're enjoying or like egocentric they're mm-hmm. egocentric because they're like so wrapped up in each other that they're not paying attention to all the other disaster or yeah. It's also oh. it's also just you can't sit with us. I think that's what it is. Yeah. yeah. Oh, there, there we go. That's I love it. that. I love that. Um, okay. Lastly, because we have we just have to start knocking things off. I do think we need to put the email up on the board. Oh my <laughs> god. I have so many problems with this freaking email. First of okay, all, okay, go on. I'll let you go. <laughs> the way that she literally types in like to so and so, the director of whatever, like it's a literal snail mail letter. Like, do you have you never sent an email before in your life? <laughs> no, it's nineteen ninety seven, probably. And she's I like mean, talking it out and then save for later. And how does it get sent? We never learn how it suddenly gets sent. I thought it was that the uh, the dad tells the secretary send my emails. Oh, there's, I, think there's I a missed that. Yeah. Then that's where. Yes. I, okay. After she leaves, he just like turns around to the secretary and says, "Send my emails," which is like Who, a yeah, crazy that's not a thing. like. It's <laughs> not a thing. He needs to go on the board for that. <laughs> just kidding, but that's horrible. The man should be sending oh. his own emails. Right. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> so should we put Kimmy's dad up on the board for? For forcing yeah. a secretary to send emails, yeah, send um, their own emails. It never would have been emails. sent. It, yeah, it never would have been sent to Clayton's point. But I mean, what is that instinct, right? To sit down and really want to sabotage someone's yeah. career? That is deeply disturbing. That she thinks that's okay. And weird that he's able to forgive. I mean, like from the from the kiss in the gazebo that Kimmy witnesses that like then sparks the chase to like the scene in the bus is like literally only 20 real time minutes happen between those moments. And he's mm-hmm. already like forgiven her. I'd be like, you're <laughs> out of your freaking mind. You just <laughs> almost cost me my job and my marriage. And now we're just sitting here going to go find her and get me to the wedding. Like get out of my life. Crazy town. Maybe Jules has something over Michael's head. Like, mm. why is he forgiving her over and over and over? Because he she likes probably the attention. Or that. I was going to say she witnessed him kill someone. Mm. <laughs> Their blood. Yeah. They're in it for it's, I know what you did last summer crossed over with my best friend's wedding. Yeah, that was that crazy summer in Florence that they're like, yeah, remember Florence? Yes. <laughs> remember that? <laughs> yeah. It's more like, remember Florence, right? 
they killed they killed the chef she then took yeah there's something there there's something there's there. something there it is fishy um all right is I there think any yeah yes yes to answer your question yes one more thing ignoring red flags should go on the board mm, because yes. i think that's what's happening all over the place as you guys were talking i was just watching you guys and i'm like there's so many red flags and yeah so you should put that up there i love that i mean but yes, the the from the start of the movie, you just know that there's a problem here. Um, okay, so I feel like we have a great board. Let's take a quick break and then we'll start knocking things off the board. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all have stress and anxiety we carry around as we go about our everyday life. At The Alarmist, we know it's always better to say it out loud and talk it through. Whenever I stress about the sinking of the Titanic, I don't sit with those thoughts in a dark room. I turn on the lights and dive right into it. Therapy is a great place to get things off your chest and work through what's really going on. Maybe you can't stop spiraling or catastrophizing. I started therapy over 10 years ago and never looked back. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Heck, we sometimes change our minds and rethink the verdict at The Alarmist. And that's also okay when it comes to therapists. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Alarmist today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, 
H-E-L-P.com slash alarmist. Okay, who's to blame for my best friend's wedding shenanigans? Is it Jules, George, the fairy tale of the happy ending, Michael, main character syndrome, jealousy, competitive nature, fear of loss, what about meism, the best <laughs> friend label, being a food critic, marriage pacts, societal pressures to marry young, too little, too late, you can't sit with us, egocentric, the email, Kimmy's dad, or ignoring red flags. Hefty, hefty board. Wow. Hmm. Off the, I mean, right off the bat, nothing is jumping out <laughs> as an easy thing to take off. <laughs> but I feel like we can fold a few things into each other. Yeah. Why don't we start there? So, for instance, egocentric can fold into you can't sit with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. Kimmy's dad does fold into the email as much as yeah. I don't like that he just sent makes his secretary send his email. I mean, really, he's a victim. He got his like email yeah. hacked. You know, <laughs> That's true. He didn't really know this was happening. Irresponsible, but whatever. Yeah. Um, hmm. Marriage packs. I feel like marriage packs folds into the societal pressures of marrying young. Definitely. That's why they did it. Yeah. Yep. I think As- jealousy and competitive nature are one and the same because yeah. I think the jealousy leads to the competition. So yeah. Do we and fold I feel that like, into jealousy then, competitive nature, or vice well, versa? I think we can fold both into the main character syndrome. Oh, okay. Uh, I like that. That kind of. Yeah. Mm hmm. Um, fear of loss. I, I, I get that. That would oh, be uh, like the what about meism. It folds into that, I think, maybe. Yeah, because it's like, why can't I have that? And I think, yeah, fear of loss okay. would be a part of that. And so would, uh, I feel like, would what about meism fold into main character syndrome? Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think, <laughs> I think so. Mm-hmm. I think that's what that is. The best friend label is not just feeling like we can blame that. Is it? I mean, it is called my best friend's wedding. So maybe I'm overlooking something. I think that the, the label, the label itself is not what is what we're blaming. I right. think it is the fallout from the expectations of best friendship, yeah. which I think are better explained by the main character syndrome by the, you can't stay with us. I think that is yeah. more important than the label Jules, itself. Yeah. It's Jules being in the wedding. Like she has no reason to be in the wedding. So that's mm-hmm. where that I think was coming from too. Was like, you're my best friend. Can you be in my wedding? Like, mm. I, I don't know you. You're here I to do think it's a, yeah. This is a PSA to all the listeners too, if you haven't heard that you can't really be using that term fast and loose. Like there, it should have <laughs> significant meaning and you should really mm-hmm. be intentional when you're using it because to Eric's point, people have different expectations and understanding of that label and it can get pretty yep. messy if you're not careful. <laughs> and if you're not 22. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. So too little, too late. That to me uh, almost kind of folds into main character syndrome because it's kind of like when you are the center of the world, like you don't think you have to 
Mm, like the rules don't apply to you. So like you, you do things on your own time because you're the center of the universe. So it's like, yes, it it is too little too late, but I don't think you're thinking that. Mm. Maybe, maybe that's a stretch. Yeah, no, no. I was just thinking, I was like, oh, wow. I guess I'm, I wonder what it's like to be a person who is so laid back. <laughs> Girl, <laughs> can you imagine how nice that would be? <laughs> mm. Like, wow. I, I, cause I live like I don't have enough time. Like I, the, the time is yet was yesterday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah. It's all over. It's, there's yeah. no hope. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, okay. So I feel like we could take that off the list, uh, and, and fold it into, we could also fold that into ignoring red flags. Yeah. Um, okay. So again, uh, the food critic being a food critic that folds into jewels. Yeah. 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 I also also want to shout out the listener who said that. I think that's so fucking funny. That's just like, (laughs) we can just blame food critics as (laughs) as toxic members of society. (laughs) (laughs) That really tickled me. (laughs) Um, so then we are stuck we, so the board is still large. Yeah, I feel like maybe uh, societal pressures to marry young and the fairy tale happy ending like Absolutely. Are, have like uh, yeah similarities. Let's fold societal pressures to marry young into this fairy tale of a happy ending. Sure, sure. What well, is George about- is not George is not he's not obviously something. No. Bad, oh so no, we can- yeah, we're, we're gonna give yeah. him the big clap. I think yeah, is what we're gonna do, do. He's a good and- guy. What is it about fairy tale happy endings? Yeah, I mean, I I, I really hear like the writer saying that you they were kind of like playing against that, like kind of, and how you were saying this kind of challenges the notion of the rom com Rebecca, which I do think it is very like unconventional in that way. But it is funny how there is like a weird second happy ending, but like, well, she didn't derail the marriage, but she still has her devoted real mm-hmm. best friend who's going to dote on her because she needs the attention kind of thing. Mm. I guess I, I, I see why you read it that way. I guess the way I read it was more just like you can pick yourself up, uh, you know, w- when the worst happens, mm-hmm. like you can still mm-hmm. find hope. And, you know, w- when when your perceived worst happens, like you lose the love of your life mm-hmm. um, there, you know, life goes on and there you can still find joy and happiness in other places. Um, I do feel like we put so much pressure on like finding your your match, your soulmate, that person who's going to make you happy for the rest of your life. And that is such that is to the detriment of humanity, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just I, so much pressure. I agree. And I, I do also think that a slight sidestep is folding in. You can't sit with us with main character syndrome. Mm. I think that I to like me that. is a little bit of you can't stay with us because we're the main character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And 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 the email uh, folds into the main character syndrome as well. Yeah. There yeah. you go. Okay. So we are we're left with Jules, the fairy tale of the happy ending, Michael, main character syndrome, and ignoring red flags. Which I like because it's alarmism, but I do feel like we can take it off the yeah, board. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. We're always promoting alarms, alarmism here. <laughs> so here's my, here's my thinking. 
and tell me what you guys think. I think we send the main character syndrome to the alarmist jail and we slap. (sighs) It's between Jules and the fairy tale of the happy ending. I think, I mean, Jules needs to be. <laughs> you think she needs She's to be particularly... so unhinged? I mean, she is the f- driving force of this movie. Michael too, and I well, think Michael right. too. That's that's what I yeah. No, and I also... love that Crystal. Cool. Crystal wants to make sure to take Michael down. <laughs> yes. Clayton wants to make sure to take Jules down. No, I see. Honestly, I would say to be like super specific, you slap and jewel. It's jewel slap and jail either Jules and Michael because mm-hmm, they are together. both pretty like. They so are like a, a they a embody main character syndrome. They embody this like need to have the fairy tale ending. They did the pack. Like it's all they're the driving force. Well, to that point, I think that they essentially fold into the main character sure, syndrome. Sure, sure. That's the that's the broader heading for sure. They're they are they are infected with the main character syndrome. <laughs> and you know that all of their friends cannot stand to hear about their drama. Like yes. that. Oh. I feel like Jules and Michael. They are they deserve each other, even though they don't deserve anything. <laughs> I mean, you're so right. They they I mean, Michael does not deserve Kimmy. Even the, yeah, sure. the way that Kimmy describes him, like that whole scene about like, oh, he's like a sloppy mess and his snoring and this and he's great. Like they really paint him out to be a very unlikable person who was in love with the lead character who is, in my opinion, a very unlikable person. Yeah. Like they really are meant for each other. I'm so sorry to, (laughs) this is my now baggage being spewed out, but I I would still, even with all the snoring, Dermot Mulroney, I don't care if that character is nasty. He's so. (laughs) That's a different. (laughs) (laughs) But that not to be overlooked. Not to be overlooked. I mean, I, I think that's, that's so human. It's like some people are, just so freaking hot that they get away with this it's kind of true. stuff. It doesn't make it. Oh, it doesn't dude. make it good. I know, and that is upsetting. That is upsetting. But like, so is Jules, Julia Roberts. It's like she embodies. She can. Who else could have played this character? This it's, like it's very despicable character. I had that you thought. Know? I was like, if somebody else were casting this, would it be as successful? Because Mm-mm. she's just like such a darling. Are you like, talking about casting in '97? Or yes. To do it now, okay. Like if there were mod, like if there were, I, I can't think of like like a '97 esque like peak actor who played more like the villainous kind of like campy person that you might be like, oh, they're just kind of like real nasty versus Selma Blair. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Or like, Sandra Bullock. Sandra. Well, Sandra I mean, Bullock Sandra Bullock is the like, one person who I think could have played Julianne. It's true. She's probably the one other person. I mean, it's kind um, of, and, the and then Michael would be just H- Hugh Grant, like Hugh Grant, yeah, just <laughs> yeah, Sandra Bullock yeah. <laughs> because he's just so hot and he's charming that you he, they get away with everything. And yeah. Meg Ryan could be a uh, Kimmy, because she probably. Oh my really, god! Really, really <laughs> yes, Great. I love that. yes. We should have been in casting back in the nineties. Yeah, oh. but I mean, but but still, like very few people could have pulled this off. True, and um. But anyway, I, so then that leads me to believe that we we send main character okay. syndrome to the alarmist show, and then we slap our notion of this fairy tale of the happy ending. Okay, because it's Love what it. got us here in in the first place. Which basically you know? we're just we're blaming Ronald Bass for writing this, for writing it this way. <laughs> <laughs>
Come on, Ron. No, I I think I'm blaming society because no, like I agree. okay, of course. So, you know the society the the fact that he was going against the grain obviously right. tells us a lot of like of like what we needed at the to hear at the time. You know, we mm-hmm. need to be shocked by by not a, by a non happy ending. Right. I think we're back to wanting happy endings now. We've had a way too many. The last few years have been pretty. Rough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, God, please give us something to not want to end it off with. <laughs> yes. Okay, I'm going to call it. George, you're getting the big clap. The fairy tale of the happy ending, you're getting the big slap. Main character syndrome, you're going to the alarmist jail. Eric, thank you so much for joining us today and helping us dissect this uh, apparently controversial film from the 90s. I'm so glad we got to dive in and have really difficult conversations, but ultimately conversations that I think are going to help the listeners and us move on from this traumatic (laughs) film. (laughs) Yeah. And keep us posted on uh, your, no, your uh, relationship, your relationship with your therapist. Cause we really need my best friend. Yeah. My best friend, uh, as in my therapist, I will let you know if I continue to go out of POC and uh, if, Um, I continue to afford my rent. (laughs) In the Aftermath, a staged musical adaptation of the movie, featuring songs by Burt Bacharach and Hal David, was announced to be performed on tour in the UK and Ireland in September of 2021. But sadly, it was canceled due to the COVID-19 pandemic. The Alarmist is now on Patreon. Subscribe and get ad-free content along with bonus episodes. Go to patreon.com slash the alarmist or check out the link in our show description. Visit our website, www.thealarmistpodcast.com and follow us on Instagram at the alarmist podcast and on Twitter at alarmist the. You can also send us your thoughts via email to the at gmail.com. Today's episode was produced and engineered by Clayton Early with editing by Molly Hockey and fact-checking by Chris Smith. Thank you to our associate producer and researcher, Crystal Dinsberg. The Alarmist is executive produced by Rebecca Delgado-Smith. Tune in next week. We'll be discussing the 1931 China floods. The Alarmist. Powered by ACAST. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com work. Shopify.com work. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.